It's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and big news on Wednesday afternoon. Jawan Howard has reached an agreement to be the next head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. No, he's never been a head coach before. No, he's never worked on a college campus before, but he is a member of the Fab Five who had a long NBA career and has spent uh, the past, I believe, six seasons on staff with the Miami Heat working under Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. And so that makes him qualified, at least on some level, to do what he's now being asked to do, which is build Michigan or keep Michigan nationally relevant to keep it a nationally relevant program. Matt Norlander, your thoughts on Michigan's decision to hire Jawan Howard. Gary Parrish, my thoughts are interesting hire. Uh, I think a worthwhile hire. I think a logical hire. I have a column up at CBSSports.com or pull up that CBS Sports app on your phone or iPad. Give it a read if you so please. Um, the biggest reason why I think this makes sense uh, is not just that Juwan Howard and I can't – I'm going off of the expertise of, of members of the media who covered the NBA and have either gotten to know Ju- Juwan Howard or know of his reputation, the people that surround him, right? So he has developed a, a fairly established reputation in a relatively short amount of time, goes from a 19-year NBA career to coaching in the pros. Uh, he, is, he has interviewed for NBA head coaching jobs this year. Um, so he's got the coaching credentials. Even though he's never done it in college, he, he carries a certain amount of cachet there, which I think just it should not be immediately dismissed. And then, you know, I got to thinking once uh, once it looked like he was going to get this job, I don't know how much this will ultimately prove to matter. I think it might matter. You look at what Penny Hardaway's doing. His situation is not parallel to Howard, but I don't think it's completely unlike. But Juwan Howard had LeBron James telling nearly 43 million followers on social media and God knows where else on, other, uh, on Twitter and, and other social media platforms that this should be the guy that Michigan should be hiring. Obviously, you know, Jalen Rose and Chris Webber were in on it. Dwayne Wade was. Jawan Howard has real, true, deep ties to NBA legends. And uh, by the way, it just so happens that uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James have uh, have children who could very well be coming to college basketball. Uh, and during the time that Jawan Howard is coaching Michigan, I don't think that should be completely dismissed as well. But I think that his connections there could ultimately prove to be of of actual value when it comes to recruiting players down the road. I'm not thinking that Jawan Howard is going to pull a Penny Hardaway. I don't think that Michigan's going to have a top five class, you know, in the next two, three years or anything like that. But I do think it can make a real impact, much more of an impact than why I think Michigan fans, GP, are so excited about this hire because you have a member of the Fab Five coming home. I think that's great for fan base morale. Uh, I think it means almost nothing to 15 to 18 year olds right now because obviously they never saw them play. While there might be a little bit of mystique if you happen to be an awesome basketball player that grew up in Michigan, the actual impact of Juwan Howard um, being a member of the Fab Five and, frankly, the third most famous member of the Fab Five. I don't think has a lot of impact, but um, I think it's a good hire. Uh, it's great to see that uh, the Big Ten's hired an African-American for the first time since 2007 when Tubby Smith was at Minnesota. What are your thoughts on uh, what Michigan decided to do here? I don't mind it. You know, like they were shopping on an aisle that didn't have great options, you know, because of, you know, in part of where we're at in the calendar. You know, it's – it's late May. This is not the best time to be trying to hire um, a basketball coach, as some have pointed out. Like if this job opened in a more conventional way, um, maybe you go look at Nate Oates, who was at Buffalo at the time and had a you know, like a decade of coaching um, in the state of Michigan. So he had some connections there and had a, um, a, a pretty good understanding of the lay of the land, as they say, and um you know, that, that would have made a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. But by the time 
this job opens, Nate's already, A, accepted the Alabama job, and B, got his family settled in Tuscaloosa, and uh, perhaps because he just decided that's where he wants to be, but also because it's not ideal to move your family around like that. He just decided he's going to stay in Tuscaloosa, so he's not an option. And so once Ed Cooley pulls out on Tuesday, like, where are you going with this? And I think Jawan Howard makes as much sense as anything. You are right that his role with the Fab Five probably doesn't resonate with 15- and 16-year-olds who never saw him play. But one of the things Penny Hardaway um, has mentioned when asked, do these kids remember you or have an understanding that, you know, it was a brief period of time because of injuries, but he was first-team All-NBA, you know, multiple years, one of the five best players on the planet. And Penny said they don't remember that, but their parents do. And they never saw it, but they got YouTube. And, and, you know, Penny joked, like, the YouTube highlights are really good to me because you go watch – like, when you get bored, go watch Penny Hardaway's YouTube highlights. He's incredible, incredible. And he said the kids see that. And then it starts to register, oh, wow, coach was something. And I think, you know, if kids that live with phones in their hands, even if they don't know Jawan Howard, he's a Google search away. And he was, whether it was the second most famous or third most famous, I'll let other people debate, but he was a part of, and a significant part of, one of the most iconic college basketball teams of all time. Like, we don't remember every national champion. We don't remember every starting lineup from every national championship team. Like, I'm not putting you on the spot, but if if I said, okay, the first Villanova team under Jay Wright that won the national title, starting lineup, go. Could you do it? Archidiakono, Ochefu. Um, like, man. it doesn't matter. You I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know. I have a personal no, I, pride in this, but uh, I know exactly the point you're getting at. You get, well, We're not going to do this on the podcast. You give me three minutes, I might get it. But your point is well taken. Continue. Ray Jackson, Jimmy King, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, Chris Webber. I mean, if you follow college basketball even a little bit, you know that one. The Fab Five resonates in ways that lots of championship teams just do not. And so I do think that can help, um, even if the prospects aren't aware of it and its significance and the history. Um, you know, their parents probably are, or there's just a Google search away. You can educate them. Uh, pretty quickly and so um, I guess I'd bottom line it this way I I don't know if this is what I would have done but I certainly think it's a sensible thing to do even if it's not what so many people today have said and I appreciate what you said when discussing it like um, you know it's not um, apples for apples with what Memphis did when it hired Penny Hardaway because I've been I've done I think three interviews about this today and each time I've been asked about, in some way, do I think that what Memphis, what Penny's doing at Memphis, do I think that helped Jawan Howard at Michigan? And my answer is, it, it couldn't have hurt. Uh, because if you're trying to rationalize hiring somebody who is an alum, longtime NBA player, but who's never worked on a college campus, you can point to Penny Hardaway at Memphis and go, hey, that's who that guy was. And Memphis hired him, and my God, he's got the number one recruiting class in America. Today, SB Nation had a column that uh, called Memphis the coolest basketball program in America. So if it's working for Memphis, why can't it work for us? The obvious difference, because the similarities are exactly what I just laid out. Juwan Howard played at Michigan, Penny played at Memphis. They both went to the NBA. 
Um, then neither worked on a college campus, but both did coach basketball, and now they're being brought back to their alma maters to return the program to glory. Those are the similarities. That's almost where they stop, though, because though Juwan Howard has been working for an incredible organization under men like Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, and that time is invaluable, and he has developed a relation, uh, a reputation of a of a high level um, NBA assistant. You know, far as I know, from talking to people I know in the NBA, he's not just a former player who happens to be on somebody's staff. Like he's got a good reputation, so all that stuff's good. But Penny spent those years before getting the Memphis job, develop coaching the players he would recruit, developing relationships with prospects and people who influence prospects. And so Memphis knew the day that it hired him that, yes, it was a gamble on some level, but that he was going to bring James Wiseman. He's going to bring DJ Jeffries and basically any other Memphis kid he wanted. Now, did they know he could go out and get Precious Achoo and Boogie Ellis and all this other stuff done? No, I don't think I knew that. But you knew he was going to be able to get a certain level of prospect from a certain part of the country, the Memphis part of the country. And that was an obvious advantage that he had from the minute he was hired. Simply put, Juwan Howard does not have that advantage. He does not have grassroots connections, as far as I know. And so that's all stuff that will have to be established. And it is the main thing that makes this different than what Memphis did. What Michigan did today is not what Memphis did last year. What Michigan did today, if you're looking for the comparison, is what Georgetown did when it hired Patrick Ewing. Yeah, that's yeah. I do think yes, that is that is a closer comparison. Um, Juwan Howard does have uh, just you know his sons are both they've been around the grassroots circuit for a little while now, so he has familiarity with that with the territory, so to speak. Didn't work; he wasn't working in that space, but uh, familiar with that. And then actually, as we record this podcast, the USA Basketball U16 trials uh, are happening in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And Jawan Howard is there, like he's a part right. of that. So he's not completely foreign to all of this. But what you mentioned with Ewing and Penny, um, maybe Mullen, although he's gone now. What I do think is that all of these NBA stars uh, will be clumped together just to compare one versus the other, how they did, how they didn't do. It's 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 hitting us more often than not. The the NBA player that takes on the college coaching job. Uh, flames out, particularly when that uh, when said coach is taking it on for the first time and hasn't had a chance to build up his career the way that Tony Bennett cut his teeth as an assistant and got to Washington State, and then obviously goes on to Virginia and wins a national championship. Um, but I think Howard's got some interesting potential. He's a, it, the key thing here is for Michigan. You mentioned the timing; it was bad timing. Um, n- Weirdly, because May actually gives you the most time to really just take a breath and, and conduct the kind of search you want to conduct. But also, guys have taken other jobs. Everyone's usually locked into all this stuff. So you had Cooley, uh, Laval Jordan was given a serious look, I was told. Luke Yoklich was given a look from in-house. And it actually says something real quick on Luke Yoklich. This guy, if, if two years ago, he was an assistant nobody knew at Illinois State, and four years ago, he was coaching high school basketball in Illinois. And for him to have made the final two says two things. Yes, it's a state on where everyone else was in the industry, but also um, this is a guy who Beeline entrusted entirely with his defense, and that was a big reason why Michigan got to where it was last season. I think that's why he was a viable candidate. And whereas Juwan Howard had some of the biggest names in basketball backing him, 
you know, Luke Yaklich might have had, you know, maybe beeline, and there was no one else really going to bat for him, and he still made it to the final two. So a credit to him. Uh, he has a pretty bright future. I'm, a, I'm of the belief that he will now go, in, go join Shaka Smart Staff at Texas. Uh, he interviewed for that in addition to interviewing for Michigan. So um, – no shame in him on losing out to Juwan Howard. You're going up against Juwan Howard. If he wants the job, This is, uh, I think this is the right call for Michigan. And from here on out, he will be judged against Penny and judged against Patrick Ewing. Uh, just because that's the obvious comparison, don't know if it's totally fair. Uh, but I think Michigan's got a shot. The biggest thing, and I think Michigan fans realize this, GP, is that they knew no matter who was hired, beyond the absolute pipe dream that was never going to happen until like a Brad Stevens or something like that. They knew that the coach they were getting was going to be a downgrade from beeline. And it's, it's great that you get Howard because he's beloved already. Like you can argue Juwan Howard right now is essentially as beloved as John beeline was. Now we'll, we'll look in two or three years. See if change, if that changes depending on uh, how Michigan fares. But, uh, but I have no issues with the hire. I, I, I refuse to sit here and spew out some sort of hot take on, like, this is great, this is bad. I don't know how it will work, but I am fascinated to see how it plays out because I think there's a lot of benefits and, and a lot of logical reasons as to why you would hire Jawan Howard if you're Michigan. And for those who didn't follow the coaching carousel closely, the reason that Luke Yaklich would have an opportunity to join Shaka Smart staff at Texas is because Darren Horn left there to be the head coach at Northern Kentucky. That's Darren Horn, former college coach of Devin Downey. Shouts Boom. to Devin Downey. Boom. Look at you weaving that in. Hey, GP, real quick, let's do a quick game. Who coaches their team longer? I'm not looking for reasons why. Let's just make the prediction May 22nd, 2019. Is John Beeline with the Cavs longer? Or is, is Juwan Howard with Michigan longer? Juwan Howard's with Michigan longer. Just because the life expectancy of an NBA coach is like, I, th I think it's actually, on average, they do about two years. Yeah, I think that's 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 the way we got to go with that. Although, would say if for whatever reason Howard like killed it at Michigan, and we looked up three years from now, and Beeline was like still doing okay, still maintaining pace, but for you know one reason or another, like Michigan made three straight NCAA tournaments, a couple of Elite Eights, uh, Howard's stock could be so good that he actually might then pull a. It wouldn't surprise me if it went that way, and NBA team said, okay, come on. We want you to come on in now. So I think that is one reason why, or maybe the only reason why, or the most likely, that if it didn't go the way we both think it will, and that will be that Howard will last, outlast Beeline, uh, it'd be uh, some sort of weird plot twist because Michigan fans don't want to see that, but at the same time they do because that would mean that the program has, has kept on its pace in the post-Beeline era, which is no guarantee. Um, one last thing on this, and then we'll move on. You, you mentioned that the track record for hires like this isn't great, right? Clyde Drexler famously was a disaster at Houston. Um, Chris Mullen did not do Isaiah well Thomas, at St. John's. Isaiah Thomas was awful. Isaiah Thomas was awful, although he didn't go back and coach his alma mater. Right. But, like, you know, whatever. Um, I will say that that gets trotted out all the time, and it's, like, it's not untrue, but how do what what nobody ever does is compare it to other types of offers i mean other types of hires so they go okay former nba players coming back to coach their alma maters um clyde drexler disaster chris mullen not good fred hoiberg really good penny hardaway off to an amazing start patrick ewing mixed early results although i i could talk myself into that it's going well but they sort of point out that this rarely goes well but at what rate relative to other types of hires like how how often do how often does it go well when you hire 
a mid-major coach and mm-hmm. put him in a Power 5 league? How often does that go well? How often does it go well when you hire an assistant coach, make him a head coach for the first time? Like How often does that go well? How often when you just promote from your own staff when you need a new head coach? How often does that go well? I, I bet you what you would find is that most of these things don't go well. It's why the turnover is, is, is as drastic as it is year after year after year. Um, every time somebody hires a coach, they assume two things, that it's going to go well and that it's going to be better than the coach that they fired if they are hiring a coach because they fired somebody. And so often it does not go well, and so often the guy that you hired to replace the guy that you fired isn't better or doesn't do a better job than the guy that you fired. And so if I'm Michigan or Memphis or any school that's done this, I'm not really looking at the track record of, of you know, former NBA players who came back to coach their alma mater. I don't care. I, I only want to know, like, do I believe in this guy? Do I believe this guy can do this job right now? Like at Memphis, it was the totally only thing they could do, and it was the smartest thing they could do. I wrote about it last week. Nationally, um, it was not well-received when Memphis fired Tubby Smith and hired Penny Hardaway. But I think it's just mostly, and I, I say this as respectfully as I can say it, the people who were mocking it or denouncing it, they just didn't understand. They just did not understand the dynamics of the Memphis job, how Tubby Smith didn't get it, and what Penny Hardaway would be able to do. Um, but, you know, I'm on record. I was like, I was banging that drum as loud, louder and longer than anybody. And here we are today, and the guy's literally sitting with the number one recruiting class in America. I didn't know what the hit rate was on former NBA players coaching their alma maters was at the time when I was saying Penny Hardaway needs to be hired. And the reason is because I didn't even think about it. I was focused strictly on, can this guy do this job? Is he the best guy for this job right now? And the answer was, in my opinion, clearly yes. And so when I'm looking at Juwan Howard, if I'm Michigan, I don't really care about Chris Mullen or Clyde Drexler or even Fred Hoiberg or Penny Hardaway. I want to know, do I believe Jawan Howard can do this? And if I was convinced that he could, I'd make the hire. No hesitation. I agree. And what you're getting at there, uh, I believe, is, is uh, in terms of, like, you know, this mid-major coaches versus, or coaches with no experience versus MBAs, that's just a classic case of exclusion bias where you're just going to select one uh, kind of sample and, and, and rank it versus the rest of – of the profession, the rest of college basketball, whereas if you took, say, this criterion or this category and, and ranked against the other, you might not necessarily see a greater uh, success rate versus one versus another. Uh, but, hey, we're in on seeing how this uh, winds up working, and we, we, we believe, knocking on wood here now, we finally have the final job filled in college basketball uh, heading into the 2019-2020 season. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So uh, before we get out of here, let's focus on a couple of big recruiting developments, um, a, a handful of, few, of, of big recruiting developments over the past week since last time we spoke. I believe in order, Precious Achua, top 10 player in America, committed to the University of Memphis to give you know, Memphis the number one uh, recruiting class in the country. Um, then Trendon Wofford committed to LSU to give Will Wade a five-star prospect mere months after he was suspended by the school, and just about everybody in the sport thought that he was done coaching LSU. Not only is he not done, but he's got Javante Smart coming back to school, make your strong-ass offer joke here, and he's got a five-star commitment in Trendon Wofford. And then late on Tuesday night, uh, Jaden McDaniels decided he was going to stay in-state, committed to Washington, as opposed to Kentucky. And really, that does impact the top of the recruiting rankings because uh, I think the way 24-7 sports calculates things, if Jaden McDaniels goes to Kentucky, then Kentucky would have the number one recruiting class in the country. But because he instead went to Washington, Memphis, it appears, is going to finish with the number one recruiting class in the country. So... Go with go uh, wherever you want to go with that. Jaden McDaniels to Washington, Precious Achua to Memphis, Trendon Wofford to LSU. All right, I'll go with I'll go Achua, Jaden, Trendon real quick here. Um, with Achua, it's just it's it's another big talent hopping aboard. Um, Memphis now solidifies itself as a top five team, regardless of ranking. If you, when we get to October and if you see any uh, preseason ranking that doesn't have Memphis in the top five, the only reason why that would be the case is just skepticism on if Hardaway can make all these pieces work. I get all that, but it's, there's just so much talent there now that it's, it's, I can't discount what they've got there. If, you know, if we go on to see Memphis get a nine seed and just be fine, but it doesn't really work. And then Penny reloads again in a year. And then you don't want to put him top five. I totally, I totally get it. But um, they were pretty solid last season and Penny was working with some, uh, with some broken pieces. I give him the benefit of the doubt there. Achu was just another, uh, another fine, fine piece in the mix there. And I guess we technically wait and see if RJ Hampton might have a chance to join. He's an elite five-star prospect. And I guess it's between Kansas, Memphis, GP. Do you know the third school? I'm, I'm blanking off the top of my head. Texas Tech. There we go, Texas Tech. Oh, and by the way, uh, Phil Booth, Chris Jenkins, and of course, Josh Hart. I can't believe I couldn't think of that off the top of my head, but I, when you were rambling a few minutes back, it all popped in my head. So that was Villanova starting five in 2016. Um, Jaden McDaniels post his commitment, uh, I think around 10 local out Pacific, but one Eastern. I, I woke up to it. I mean, I, I brought up Twitter on my phone after I made breakfast, and then the feature has like – you know what I'm talking about? Like when you bring up Twitter, it says these people are talking about this tweet, and it had like nine people talking about Jaden McDaniels' <laughs> uh, photo co- uh, commitment. I And you were – I think you were awake. Actually, can we real quick here? What are you doing? I guess it wasn't that late, so never mind. I was thinking it was like 1.45 your time, but it wasn't that late, but it was still – A little after midnight. What okay. was I doing last night? Because um, I looked up at one point, and I was I went – my God, what am I doing awake? Because I, but I, I can sort of stay up later now because my kids are out of school, so nobody's waking up at like six a.m. anymore. Mm. So I've gotten a habit like this week of staying up a little later. Um, I don't know. I think I watched. Uh, what did I do last night? Watched. Uh, well, my kid, my 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 five year old had baseball, so we did that. Then I came home, watched Mets game, watched uh, basketball game. Then I think I was just. Oh, I know what I was doing. I was booking a uh, a house. I was booking a beach house for vacation, so I was up trying to finalize that and get it done because it's one of those things I've been thinking about 
and like Kelly and I, my wife and I have been going back and forth. Do you like this one? Do you like this one? And I finally just was like, we're settling on one tonight. I'm picking it out. I'm getting this done. So that's what I was doing. I was up till midnight finding a beach house. Good call. I got to get on some vacation stuff as well. Um, McDaniels is a really great addition for Washington. I, I saw him a lot last summer on the recruiting trail. I think he's a really fine talent. Uh, Washington is going to be in, an, in a not unfamiliar position, albeit with a different coaching staff of having some real uh, – Isaiah Stewart's going there as well, a five-star in 2019. They got, a, they got a fun chance of being a really fun team. And between Washington and Arizona, uh, the Pac-12 could have a really nice top. We'll see if these freshmen can really come in and make some big impacts there. But Jaden McDaniels, you're going to hear, if you haven't already, I mean, if you're the, the kind of – basketball fan that listens to this podcast and is tuned in on on the recruiting stuff there are the unfair comparisons to Durant with McDaniels that's it's just because of body type like they are very similar body type wise and yeah he can step out and shoot um, but regardless I think he'll have a really fun freshman season I don't see any way that he's like his brother uh, Jalen who wound up being a two and through at San Diego State and he's on his way to the pros this year I think Jaden will be a true one and done and do well there and then Trenton Watford commits to LSU this had kind of been in the wind here in recent weeks and hey <laughs> more power to will wade i laid out in a, in a story for dot com just the timeline just to kind of step back and say okay this is how all this broke down march 7th yahoo sports breaks the story with transcriptions and, and quotes about will wade and what he was saying to christian Dawkins on the phone about javante smart and a quote strong ass offer and all this stuff he gets suspended eventually gets his job back three days later the lsu ad is out javante smart is now coming back to lsu and now he gets trend in Watford. It, uh, Will Wade has been living right. And the other point I made in it was that, uh, hey, do your thing, man. More power to you. LSU is going to dig in right now by all means. The NCAA is certainly coming. But when you do this with Will Wade as an institution, just be aware of the fact that due to everything that's come out in the trials and in that particular report, like – all of college basketball is of the understanding that Will Wade flagrantly cheated to get LSU back into the national conversation and with national relevancy. And when you stand by him, you have to be prepared for the fact that every time a top 100 prospect commits to LSU, whether it's true or not, people are just going to make their jokes and assume that LSU is still cheating to keep up with the Joneses in college basketball. So that's the deal you make when you opt to keep Will Wade. And they bring in Trenton Wofford, younger brother to Christian, who obviously played in Indiana a while back. And, yeah, with him coming back, I mean, it, it does make LSU an interesting team and doesn't necessarily eliminate them uh, competitively from the 2020 NCAA tournament picture. No, I had some people, when the commitment goes down, Trenton Wofford to LSU – they're like, oh, it must drive you crazy that Will Wade still got a job and still – like, I don't, I actually find it fascinating. Like, I'm in the storytelling business. Yes. And, and the Will Wade LSU saga is an incredible story. And, like, I, I've said this a million times, but I, I, I feel compelled to say it every time. I like Will Wade. I, I, I would assume he might not – like, I might not be his favorite person anymore if I ever were based on – the fact that I'm on record saying that, of course, he cheated. Like, there's no way to interpret those conversations, the transcripts from those conversations, than to conclude that he was, in you know, frustrated because he couldn't get a deal done outside of the NCAA rulebook, and he was actually comparing it to, to, to other deals he had done in the past. And this one was far more complex than the ones he'd done before. Like, uh, I, I, I think I can say these two things without contradicting myself. I would bet every penny I own that Will Wade cheated to get, to get players at LSU. Um, but I also, like, don't mean that I think he should go to jail. 
it, you know, it doesn't make me think any less of him. Um, it doesn't make me like him any less. It just means that my job is to discuss these things. And when I discuss them, I try to discuss them as honestly as, as I can. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd sound and feel foolish if I were up here trying to rationalize what's been going on in the Arizona program or what's been going on in the LSU program. And so um, I can tell you what I think about what happened and what I think should have been the price for that, but it doesn't mean that I'm angry that Will Wade's been reinstated or that he's picked up right where he left off in terms of securing commitments from elite-level prospects. Like, good for him, good for Trendon, and what a story. And it is something that LSU is going to have to deal with, you know, going forward. I mean, you you saw it. All I did was retweet Trendon Wofford, five-star mm-hmm prospect to LSU I didn't even I offered no commentary on it and every reply was cash money like <laughs> memes of all sorts of cash and bags right, and right. and that, that's just who you are now you're not going to get rid of that and if you're comfortable with it then be comfortable with it but but just understand that's that's part of the game now um but it is it's wild and you know it, it might just be one of those deals where the NCAA can never prove anything you know, you know, if these deals, if they actually went down the way, if they actually went down at all, and then actually went down the way that people assume they went down, then it does almost become untraceable. Like if it's really a booster taking cash, giving it to Will, Will taking cash, giving it to whoever he's got to give it to, as long as everybody just denies everything, how do you ever prove that? You're not going to find anything looking at Will Wayne's bank account, their credit card statements. It really might just be something that, you can't you, – you, there's no evidence that it actually went down. And so Will Wade survives it. And, again, it's a fascinating story. And um, I don't begrudge him for it. Um, it. You know, it is what it is. Um, as for Jade McDaniels, like I joked, like he was trying to do it in the middle of the night to escape the Kentucky fans. Um, I don't think that was actually true. But if it was, it'd be smart because um, that is a good way to avoid backlash on social media is to tweet that you're not going to Kentucky – uh, while most Kentucky fans are are sound asleep, so shouts to him, and that's two top ten players yeah. in the class of 2019 for Mike Hopkins in Washington, and they go from a team that was losing a lot to a team that I think you could reasonably rank in the preseason top 25 now, depending, of course, on what some of their players who are technically in the draft right now but might come back. Mm-hmm. Jordan, I guess, being the the obvious one, uh, what what their decisions are, what his decision is, but. Um, you know, Mike has lo- reloaded there pretty good. And um, and so that's a, a nice story for a league, the Pac-12, that needs nice stories. And then with Precious Achua to Memphis, you know, again, we expected that to go down the way it went down. But it doesn't make it any less remarkable. You know, Penny held a media availability at Memphis yesterday. And he was asked, like, did you really envision this? Like, Wiseman Jeffries is one thing. It's local kids that you had relationships with. But, you know, Boogie Ellis? You know, in in the past few weeks, Memphis has beaten uh, Kansas for a player with no connection to Memphis, beaten Indiana for a player with no connection to Memphis, um, beaten North Carolina for a player with no connection to Memphis, you know, beaten Oregon for a West Coast player who was previously signed to Duke. I mean, that that's – even when I was screaming, you have to fire Tubby Smith and hire Penny Hardaway, I did not think – he would be able to go outside of the market and beat Blue Bloods for top 50 players, for five-star prospects. But that's exactly what he's done. And I will say, um, 
for whatever's this worth, and I want to make make it clear, and then we'll get out of here. I vouch for nobody. You know, I'm, I will never be the guy talking about, you know, he does it the right way. Isn't it nice he really does it the nice way? I don't know who does what the right way. I don't speak in those terms. Um, but I had a coach of a top 10 team text me last week after Precious Achua committed to Memphis. And he was like, well, it looks like I'm going to have to get a flat bill hat, you know, because uh, Penny's getting all the dudes walking into the uh, gyms dressed like that. And he was sort of laughing, but he meant it as a compliment. And I said, ha, ha, ha. And then I, I said, hey, listen, level with me. What's the perception in your industry? Like, what are other coaches saying about what's happening right now with, with Memphis? Going out and beating Indiana and uh, Duke and, and uh, I mean, maybe they didn't beat Duke, but they beat Kentucky, Kansas, Indiana, Oregon, um, North Carolina, one after another. I said, is the perception that they must be cheating? And for whatever it's worth, this coach, who, again, you go look at the preseason top 25 and one, he's got a top 10 team. He said, that is not the perception I get at all. He said, the perception I get is that all kids care about these days is NBA, and they are selling the NBA in a way that nobody else can sell the NBA, in a way that nobody else is selling the NBA. They're former NBA players working in an NBA city, playing in an NBA arena, and they're also cooler than us. You know, I had another separate coach say, Imagine Penny Hardaway walks in dressed the way Penny Hardaway dresses, and then, you know, a, a 62-year-old white guy in khakis and a polo walks in. Like, who's going who's gonna to be able to connect with the 17-year-old African-American better? And he's like, they are really, like, hammering that. And um, they've complicated life for everybody. And so I just thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if it's accurate, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, the dynamic is, uh, has shifted, and as I said, I think on last week's podcast, if not, it was definitely the week before. I just like when we have a change like this. I don't know how long it will last. I just like that there is another team at the table that makes things interesting, particularly in the offseason. And I like when a Jaden McDaniels picks a Washington over uh, a Kentucky, which is the reverse Terrence Jones, who uh, uh, who was from uh, Seattle and uh, initially did Washington uh, and then flipped over to UK. I just like when we get these kind of five-star players that just occasionally pick the schools that aren't so predictable. And then when you've got Memphis really coming in and and making significant waves, like to the level where, you know, fans of this podcast who love themselves in college football, you know, Old Miss doesn't, I wouldn't even say uh, <laughs> directly applies there because uh, Memphis has a much more proud history in basketball than Ole Miss does in football. Um, I don't know if you've had an example in the past decade or so in college football where this is, uh, where this is matched. So, um, hey, I can't wait to get to the season to see how Memphis plays because they are going to be, I think, the most must-watch team in college basketball this season because of all of the hype and the talent they have that's undeniable there. But, uh, but yeah, the Achua addition, man, that's, that's – it's the kind of thing where I know it means a lot more in Memphis than it does nationally, but it's just another big piece there. And if you assemble all this, you know, maybe it just it will be enough to really build a true Final Four contender. I think people are not going to believe that until we get to January, say, and Memphis only has, you know, two, three, four losses tops, and they have the actual evidence. But building into it, undeniable right now the dudes they got. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to the homie Larnell. Remember, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. That's the best way because we're not operating on a normal schedule anymore. We promise you once a week, but it might be on a Tuesday. Could be on a Thursday. Could be in the middle of the night like it's Jaden McDaniel's announcement. So if you want to ensure you get it ASAP, then it comes right into your phone. Go subscribe 
via Apple Podcasts. While you're there, rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. That would be appreciated. And either way, we're going to talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.